Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Alex Malari Jr., an actor you may know from Dark Matter, Code 8, Ginny and Georgia, and Working Moms, among plenty of other television and movie roles. Just this month, he turns up as a heavy chasing Ryan Reynolds through time in The Atom Project, as a free climber dealing with a life-changing injury on an episode of Transplant, and as the star of Hello Again, a romantic dramedy from Simu Liu and Natalie Younglai that dropped on CBC Gem in Canada last week. I just had Natalie on on Friday, perhaps you remember. Anyway, it's a good show, and you should check it out. Alex picked Remember the Titans, Boaz Yakin's 2000 sports sleeper about black and white teenagers forced to become a real football team when their high schools are integrated in 1971 Virginia. Denzel Washington and Will Patton play their respective coaches, who must also learn to mesh their very different styles in order to lead the Titans to victory, and the ensemble includes before-they-were-stars appearances from Wood Harris, Ryan Hurst, Hayden Panettiere, Donald Faison, Kate Bosworth, and some goofy-looking kid named Ryan Gosling. I think he was young Hercules or something. What happened to that guy, anyway? This is someone else's movie. It was always on repeat when I was a kid. Um, I remember seeing it, and I was a little athlete back then. And I just loved every sport movie that there that I that I ever came across. But there was something about Remember the Titans that I was really drawn to. And I, I never understood it until I recently watched it. And I realized when I was making my list of movies, I realized that I'm a sucker for movies that teach people new perspectives. Um, specifically within a relationship. I mean, every movie is about relationships, really, but, well, the good but there ones, was some because good ones, yeah. And I, uh, I didn't, I didn't connect that when I was younger. For, for me, when I was younger, I just thought, you know, this is so cool to be part of this team, and and I really, I really enjoyed um, the building of the relationships between the white kids and the black kids. Um, I guess. Growing up in Scarborough, you didn't really see that sort of segregation. It's just, you know, your friends are your friends and you got all sorts of friends. You got white friends, you got black friends, you got brown friends, you got everything. And and that's my that's the norm that I know. So the norm that I know, no pun intended. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah. So I think that's why, man. Yeah, it's I had I hadn't seen it in a long time. And um yeah. I watched it again last night because it's on Disney Plus and it's like, it's a message picture that wouldn't be out of place in the sixties. I mean, it's mm-hmm. set in 1971, but it feels like it was made in around the same era as like to serve with love or something like that. And, and Denzel Washington is absolutely the Sidney Poitier figure, but yeah. the movie keeps drifting away from him and spending more time with the kids. And you realize that yeah. it's selling the relationships in a way that absolutely makes sense for a modern film, right? Like it's really more interested in the dynamics and interactions without coming up with sort of fake dramas for everybody to have to struggle with. There's just, there was so much time spent just watching them relate to one another, which really, I don't remember that vividly from the last time I saw it. It's just surprisingly, like it's a a machine tooled studio sports picture, Um, but it breathes in a way that I just did not remember at all. Plus of course, now you recognize everybody. Um, yeah, that that as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, little like, little Ryan Gosling. Gosling's everywhere. That he was in there. Yeah. yeah, he's not even billed in the opening credits. Like that's how small his part is. No way. Yeah, I because I, I, I when he popped up, I'd forgotten he was in it. And when he popped up, it's like, wait, no, I just watched all the titles. If his name was there, I would have responded. Oh, it's like Wood goodness. Harris is named, and and Donald yeah. Faison is named. And then he's just there. He is in the background, this little skinny kid with the eyes that don't go in the same direction. It's like that's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Young Hercules, but he's so yeah, present, wow, I didn't know that. right? Like he's so present. He pulls, so he pulls focus. In there's a scene on a bus uh, between, um, like it's Jerry and Julius, Ryan Hurst and, and Wood Harris are sitting together on the bus, and they're kind of having the a fight about. Refle- no. Yeah, no, it wasn't the attitude reflect leadership? But yes, it, sorry, it was on the bus. It's earlier, yeah. right? It's like when he shuts him down for singing, I think. And yeah. Gosling is just following the conversation behind them, and his like his tr- his head is moving. He's tracking it. He's totally involved in the scene, even though he has no dialogue, and could have easily just not done anything. But it's like, yeah. oh no, no, this is just like he's quietly. It's not like he's stealing the scene because if you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't be paying attention. But you'd also yeah. be like, oh, that guy's in the scene. He's part of it. And it feels yeah. like a, the weird generosity that's going on in the entire film between all the actors, like all the younger actors, as they sort of communicate with each other and they let their guards down slowly. And yeah, it's, it's, there's more to it than I remembered. And I was kind of happy about that. Yeah. Same, same. I guess, I, you know, as you get older, you, you, you acquire new perspectives and new experiences that help, help you with that. But yeah, I, I loved it even more. I did. And I didn't realize how inclusive it was, you know, because they had uh, sunshine. They called them. Uh, yeah. They had that going on that storyline, and oh man, it was such a good film. And there was no singular hero, really. It was, it was really, it was about the team, and I love that because I grew up in the team environment, playing basketball. So I, I'm a sucker for anything team related, and it's it's cool, and it just people doubting and, and you still make it through. So cool. Yeah. yeah. I love them. So, so yeah. Um, what was your team dynamic? I mean, did you guys have a, a coach who styled himself as a dictator and forced everyone to organize together or was it more, you're not at a, <laughs> at a few different coaches. Um, my one coach for the Scarborough blues, Craig Walker, great man. Um, great coach. Um, he wasn't a dictator type. He was the type to, but he knew how to get the best out of all of us, um, both individually and collectively. And um, he allowed for freedom on the basketball court. And that's really where I found my footing. And if it wasn't for that freedom and that trust, I don't think the game would have been as fun. But then in high school, um, I had a coach named Richard Gallagher. And he was very disciplined. Um, there were a lot of rules and it was, it was, uh, it was quite the transition, but I loved him. I, I learned from him more than anyone else. Uh, well, that coaching staff, I learned a lot from Ron Burroughs and, and, uh, Jason Gill, um, learned a lot from them as well. And funny enough, we were the mother Teresa Titans. Oh yeah. So it was, yeah, it was cool. And, um, Shem who was it, was it a kiss? Oh, yeah, yeah. Over there now. Yeah, he used to do our announcements. <laughs> and it was just the, the neatest thing. We would turn the lights off and um, we'd play the Chicago Bulls intro. And Shem, with his voice, big voice, would do our intros. 
and it was the coolest thing. And uh, we ended up winning uh, the Quad A Offset Championship um, one year. And and you know we weren't even supposed to be a Quad A because we're such small. We had like two, three hundred kids, mm-hmm. and we're going up against schools that had thousands of kids. So it was uh, it was really neat, and uh, that was my high school experience. And and I always relate. I related that to the remember the Titans. Yeah, yeah. And I was that one line, man. Attitude reflect leadership. That one I took with me. I still do. Still do. I still take it. Yeah. Well, I was trying to figure out this time through, and you were saying that the coach who was the hardest on you was the one that, or maybe the most dictatorial was the one you Mm -hmm. learned the most from. And is that, so I couldn't tell this time through whether Boone's strategy is to unite the kids against him, you know, like their collective frustration with his rules sort of brings them together. It's one of the earliest moments that they're bonding over how, how rough he is. And I was trying to figure out if it's intentional because Washington plays it without any hints in any direction, right? Like he's, he is just putting up this, this authoritarian stance in front of the kids. We see that's not who he is because we see him with his family and we see him with, with Bill Yost when they're sort of warming up to each other. We, he is a human being. Like he's not, yeah, he's not a soldier who just ended up in the wrong line of work, but the kids respond to him the way uh, like a platoon would to a drill sergeant. And I was trying to figure out if that's deliberate in the writing. Like if, if it's a strategy that we just have to figure out for ourselves over the course of it. And like, do, do coaches do that? Is that something that, that bonds the team by working against the coach or is it, am I, I completely misreading this? Cause I've never been in a sport. <laughs> I don't think that would, that would work because you wouldn't respect the system in place. Uh, you have to respect the system. You have to, in order for the system to work, you have to respect it. Um, and that system derives from from the coach's vision and, and what he or she sees fit, um, be it for the season, be it for the team or the entire program. Um, but that is that is interesting because, it, you know, he had a totally different dynamic. He had to work with. He had to work with with segregation, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get white kids to work with black kids and, and black kids to work with white kids. And it was a. Uh, that's a, that's a tough dynamic, especially him taking that head coach spot that he didn't want and the kids never knew. So it's, uh, I, I don't think that's what he wanted to do. Anyways, it wouldn't have worked, but that's such an interesting perspective considering the dynamic that yeah. he had to work with. Yeah. I think it's it's Washington's essential unreadability, like the way he always holds something back from the ah, camera and from the audience. So good. He can be magnetic yeah. in anything. And this is before he kind of around, well, I guess it was right around that same time because he'd made the hurricane the year before and he'd just done stuff like the bone collector. And so he's coming out of all of these big oh, showy God, performances, right? Like, you know, yeah. can you do an entire movie lying in bed and still be Denzel Washington's like, yes, he can. Um, yeah. I, I don't like the hurricane as a movie, but I think he's terrific in it. It's just the, the stylistic stuff and the, and all the, the historical shortcuts that the script brings in to make it a palatable, you know, conspiracy picture, basically when it really needs to mm. be a story about systemic racism and, and a complete injustice that the entire, you know, the structure of America brought down on this one guy. Uh, yeah. Even the fact that they collapsed the Canadians, it was like eight people who helped, who worked to get this guy out of prison and they turned him into John Hanna, Deborah Kara Unger and, and a third person. I don't even remember. It's like, 
have more actors. It's really not going to kill the movie to have to like acknowledge the complexity of the story. But after all of that, he showed up in this. And, you know, you remember like the poster is hung on his face and the marketing is all on, on Denzel. And yeah. it's not his story. Like, it's an incredibly no. gracious performance where he's just getting out of the way so often. Yeah. And part of it is structural, right? Because you spend time with the kids. But even in his scenes, like his scenes with Nicole Larry Parker are so sweet and quiet. And he's just like, he's showing you who this guy is without the weight of the world on his shoulders and how he sort of like, th there's that, the call to action, I guess you'd call it the, that initial galvanizing moment where everybody shows up outside his house and he decides to take on the, the, the Sidney Poitier function, like to become the hero that they need, which just means making himself miserable and being, and putting his family in harm's way. And then every now and then Washington just drops it all and shows yeah. you what he's feeling. And it's like, that's a star making performance in a supporting role. It's like, if, if this was oh an unknown God. actor, he'd be a movie star. And of course he already is. Yeah. Yeah, he would. I, that one scene where they, they started losing or they, they came up with a big loss and, yeah. uh, and he's in the locker room and he's talking to the kids being like, you know, this team is, God, I can't remember the team's name, but um, they were undefeated. And then he said, yeah, but they, they don't have this dynamic to work with. And there's just this presence that he holds. And, and it's the same presence you're talking about where he says everything that he needs to say, but he holds on to enough where he doesn't lose his power and he doesn't, he just doesn't give it all up. But how did yeah, I, I don't know, know what right? he I, does. Jeez, I, it, it, maybe it's just his look. I, he's in his intensity, but but even with his intensity, he doesn't give it all up. Recently watched, um, not all of it, just the first bit of it because I had to put my kid to sleep. But uh, Macbeth. Oh yeah, that's oh, that's an God. incredible performance. His presence is just it's unmatched, and and I'm hoping as I get older. <laughs> I'm able to gather that much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his, his greatest skill as an actor is, is his ability to withhold, I think. And Macbeth is perfect because in this version, it's somebody who has pretended to be a good person his whole life and just waited for the chance to strike like that interpretation um, because, because they're so much older than the roles are usually played. Uh, yeah. Washington and McDormand both have this, this sort of seething, impatient patience where it's like, no, this is our time. This is what we have to do right now. And when Washington puts aside the hail fellow thing, it's terrifying because you see who he really is and there's nothing in there and his ability to shut himself down, uh, which he's done. Still be interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and just turn off his eyes, right? Like he can still yeah. deliver. He can still hold himself physically and, and be physically intimidating or interesting or dynamic, but just have nothing behind his eyes. I yeah. hadn't seen him do it in the longest time. And it's really disturbing to see him turn it on. Very, very and the way that the whole thing yeah. is shot, like an expressionist uh, picture from the twenties. Like it, it looks like, you know, the, the, the passion of Joan of Arc half the time with the mm. staging that they've used. And so you're just drawn to faces and, and, and shoulders and jawlines. And, and it's this, like the, the architecture of the, the movie stars that they've cast in it is just, it's yeah. remarkable. And yeah, see the whole thing when you can and watch it on a really big screen. Cause it just, it's yeah. an overwhelming experience. 
Oh man, yeah, no, I had my, my soundboard on and everything. It's like a, you, you got to because that, that score is really good too. Um, yeah, no, that's. I watched the trailer while I was shooting Code Eight, and prior to that, I'm a big Denzel fan. Prior to shooting Code Eight, I was watching uh, Training Day, and I mean he's he makes use of that, that blank stare you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's the same stare that I was, I was trying to refer to for remember the Titans. And I've tried it. I've tried it in self tapes. <laughs> I just remember getting a feedback from uh, my reps. Be like, you gotta make it a little more interesting. You're like, what, what are you doing? Here? I'm just like, I, Listen, I, I'll get there. I'll get there. But I'm trying something. I'm trying something. Little do they know I was trying that trying to Denzel intensity yeah uh, yeah man. you also have Phenomenal. to repeat the last line of your dialogue that's what he that's his other tick which he doesn't do in titans which i thought was great he does it in training day but it's like this weird emphasis thing where he's reassuring himself that his plans are going to work yeah. um, but then he started to lean on it a lot like tony scott just let him get away with it constantly i think um like is it is it unstoppable or pelham where he just every scene just he buttons himself he just ends the, by repeating his last line of dialogue really? it's like yeah it's just it's obviously something he feels comfortable doing but yeah i think he's way more interesting when he's not doing something i've seen him do before and so like titans does it and and macbeth of course doesn't allow it because of the language right. and he's just you know you take away his stuff his comforts and he is a more interesting actor i mean i assume it's the case with almost anybody but yeah. with with Washington, his intensity is so interesting that when he's got nothing else to fall back on, you just get this honesty out of him. And in in Remember the Titans and in Training Day, you've got and those were a year apart, which still kind of blows my mind. Um, Remember the Titans and Training Day were just a year apart. Yeah, like fall two thousand and TIFF two thousand and one. And wow, it's remarkable because he looks so much older in Remember the Titans. Yeah. Like he's just playing somebody with weight on him, physical weight uh, on his shoulders. Yeah. Like he's, he's working with history and, and he's moving slowly. Like he's trying to command respect just by taking space in the room. And in training day, he's just wild. He's flailing all over the place with this, with the rage that's coming out of him and you know yeah. whatever, whatever the substances are that are used in the story. I think it's angel dust, right? That, no, no, he gives that to Hawk, but he gives that to in the car. <laughs> yeah. But he is so like, it's, it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him actively fuck with people the way he does in Training Day, but it's also really yeah. interesting to watch it in contrast to this. And like, I know he's an actor; that's how it works. You go from role to role, but in both of them, he's using his essential gravitas just in completely different ways. It's like this is that movie star versus character actor conversation again, right? Like, yeah, character actors are cast to be themselves in a in different circumstances and movie stars are cast to do one thing that the audience likes, but he's walking the line between both. Yeah. Yeah. He does really well too. I, I think he's just, I don't know. I, I've seen very few interviews with him. He's articulate and he's, he's very present, but he doesn't seem as intense. Where is he? I don't know. I would love to have a sit down with him. Have you ever talked to him? No, no, we've never met. Um, oh, don't know why. It's just never worked out. I hope it does. Yeah, I think that stars have just never aligned. Do you think he's just over it and that maybe that's what he brings in? He's just really over everything. 
I wouldn't blame him. Like, he's been at this since St. Elsewhere, right? Like that's the early eighties. Um, he's, he's a, he's a veteran. <laughs> he's been doing this for 40 yeah, years. Is he ever? He's a master, but he doesn't, what is he ever? Yeah. He doesn't lose steps, right? Like, so even when he's, <clears throat> he doesn't spend a lot of time with the, with the younger actors in, except for Hayden Panettiere, who I'd also forgotten that was her, um, as, yeah. as Yost's daughter. Yeah. And she's, she's like, excellent. Too. Yeah. It's a total one note character, but she refuses. Like she's just got so much energy that you sort of, you don't care that she's only really performing the, I love football. I love football function. She's just so good yeah. at it. She's so good at it. Yeah. And Patton's great with her. And then there are those little moments that Washington has where he just has to have this flicker of warmth with her and he doesn't oversell it because she's so big and he can underplay it. And it feels like, like, it feels like he's treating her as an equal, as an actor, not the character, yeah. but like he's giving her the room. And again, that's not something he usually does in these big star roles that he gets. So he just seems to understand like his function here is to be the support and, yeah. and deliver. Well, him by treating her that way just made her as strong, gave her performance way more strength. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as there was that one scene where um, she was at the house before the rock was thrown. Yeah. yeah. She had that little interaction with, uh, with Denzel's daughter in the, in the movie. But I thought that, I thought that was hilarious, man. I don't play with dolls. I'm accessorizing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Cause it's just a little yeah. bit of humanity for, or depth for the characters that otherwise would just be like coach's kid. Yeah. 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 Who and, plays Yost? What's his name? Oh, Will Patton. Who's this? Will Patton. This, yes. Like, he's, he's pretty he's, similar to, to Armageddon. That's, that was it, right? He was, was he in that? He was. It's been, you know, it's been so long since I've seen him. Was he one of the astronauts or he must've been? He one was of the one, of the one of the miners. Yeah. He brought, um, yeah, he was one of the miners and he brought the, there was one scene where he brought um, a little, was it like a toy truck or something to his, kid who he hasn't seen in a while but he's he's so good at that at that uh that note armageddon to my mind is filed away as the movie that had better screenwriters in the cast than it had on the page (laughs) billy bob thornton had an oscar for sling blade bruce willis wrote hudson hawk ben affleck had an oscar for goodwill hunting steve buscemi wrote trees lounge and they're just standing around delivering this they're not even trying Uh, to make it better they're just cashing the checks but yeah will Patton, i've forgotten i love will Patton. he's um he's become like a semi-regular for kelly reichardt's films he's he's wonderful in wendy lucy Wendy Lucy, yeah. Has so much compassion, so much kindness that like it echoes to to who he is here. Like Yost is the one who says you're writing the kids too hard and he's looking out yeah. for everybody all the time and uh, selflessly putting aside his own ambitions to stay and work with this guy who's, as far as he's concerned, has taken his job. Uh, although yeah. he knows it's more complicated than that. It's also, there's a rivalry there and it just, it kind of boils away. Um, it's because it's all Patton, right? It's it's not Washington. Herman Boone is there. He owns his space. He's not giving anything back. He won't, and he sort of apologizes, but he won't quit. So mm. it's Yost who has to come around to him. And like, there is no speech. There's no reconciliation. It just kind of happens uh, yeah. in Patton. Like he just lets it be okay. 
in a really interesting, calm way. I mean, there's that one standoff yeah. where you say, like, if you hire me, you hire my assistant. But that's as close as they get to that a confrontation, right? Like, there's no resentment. He just does the job. Yeah. Even when, even when his assistant was like, you know, come with me. He's just yeah. like, well, you do what you have to do. But it wasn't conflicting. It was at the same time. It, it was, but at the same time, the way he performed it, just his energy is just, I, I can accept that. But I, I got I, like I got to do this kind of thing, and then when in the bar when he's telling everyone that you know I'm I'm going to move I'm going to go somewhere else yeah yeah that was it was gentle but it was but it, there was this conflict that that was difficult at the same time he's so good God. yeah it occurred to me it's the closest the movie comes to the not all white guys thing right like he's he's a decent person who isn't prejudiced yeah. but never calls anyone else out on it because he knows the neighborhoods he knows the environment like that's that's what he's doing in that scene he's making sure nobody picks up torches and goes after boone by being as conciliatory as possible right like it's going to be okay yeah. i'm going to be fine don't get angry on my behalf but he never, never uses the language up. right yeah it's it's yeah. just i caught it with um it's in this i mean the movie hammers down the the racism button pretty hard with like with Kate Bosworth, I think, unfortunately, who's just given that role of the white girl who just doesn't want to be around black people, can't articulate why, doesn't have a oh, reason, right. just doesn't like them. And you're like, yeah. oh, hey, that's Kate Bosworth. She's doing a pretty good job with this like cartoonish, unplayable role, even at the very end where she's shaking, you know, she shakes Julius's hand and it's like, this is a, an invention of the movie. No question. This did not happen. It's just yeah. like, I don't even know if that character existed if that person is real because her function is just to, to really run down the, in there. Yeah. Run down the checklist of racism is bad, but, <laughs> yeah. but everyone else is allowed to have, like they have moments of anger. They have moments of, of understanding. There's that early scene where, or that scene in the middle where, where Julius calls Jerry out on saying they like to part, they like to party and brag. Oh, right. And Jerry tries to come like, it's a really great little moment for Ryan Hurst. Who's just, who's, who stumbles over that it's no, 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 they're them, you're you. And he can't articulate it. He can't explain why he knows yeah. what he's saying, but he can't figure it out. And like the, the, there, there were some, there was some criticism when the movie came out, I was reading some older reviews. Like even Ebert said that it doesn't really care about how the black people feel. It cares about how the white people feel, but hmm. I don't know that that's true because yeah, the, the, I don't know the actors are all showing us how they feel. And Wood Harris, who's like 10 years older than everyone, like he's 30. Um, Julius, he's, he's going to be Avon Barksdale in four years on the wire. And there's a scene where like in the, in the 1981 scenes, they gave him a receding hairline that actually makes him look pretty much his own age, which is really weird because he's pretty convincing yeah. he's 20, but he Wood Harris is like, Julius is way more informed than a 20 year old would be in that era because Wood yeah. Harris is older and he's thinking it through. But that scene, like that later scene with the cop who pulls him over to compliment him, like a white cop pulls up to, to Julius on the street when he's going to yeah. visit Jerry's family. And Harris plays that so beautifully. Like it's not just the, I am surprised that this is happening to me. It's I am scared and surprised. Like he can't look him in the eye. He stammers over his, his, his politeness. He's like, he doesn't know how to act. And it's really interesting to see on it. You know, this is 20 years ago and that level of awareness about racially charged interactions with police in a Disney yeah. picture. That was like shockingly fresh to me. Yeah, I was surprised that it was Disney. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, Disney had this whole run of sports pictures. I think they were cranking out one a year for a while. It's like Mystery Alaska, Miracle, and and there was another, oh, The Rookie, the, the one where Dennis Quaid is the middle-aged phenom who one. discovers he's got a good arm. It's good. It's like, it's a meat and potatoes sports that's picture. That's not the one where the kid breaks his arm, right? No, no, that's Rookie of the Year. Like that's from oh, 19, okay. the mid nineties. That was probably on yeah. cable all the time too. Oh, I love that. Uh, but yeah, no, The Rookie is, it's a much more serious, like it's a middle-aged sports picture. It's okay. um, it's it's not bad. I think John Lee Hancock directed it. It's very steadfast and straightforward, but it, you know, it it knows what it's doing and it it hits all those buttons. But it's not about anything other than one guy getting his dream. Remember the Titans is dealing with stuff. It's got it's got yeah. um like the Ethan Suppley arc of someone who just cheerfully refers to himself as white trash and has no expectations of his own life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that scene was and then and and then Coach Boone says, you know, I want you to give me all your test scores. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was such a good scene. Yeah, I took a lot from his character actually, because to be that humble, mm. to say, hey, because in everything I, I've attempted at life, I'm like, I'm going to be the best at this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be the best at it. I guess it still still lingers there, um, but I always think about his character. Because of that one speech where he's, he's in front of everyone, he's like, you know, I'm up here and figure if I'm going to get through school, I might as well hit a few people while I'm at it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just white trash when he's talking to, uh, what's his name, uh, Rev. Mm-hmm. Just that that humble way of being. I, I think about him often. Um, of how, how relaxed he is. And by the way, he's incredibly jacked now Ethan Suppley yeah he's he's my goodness something maybe two or three years ago and was like I'm glad he's healthy but it was jarring like it was really weird and his weight's always fluctuated like he's you know from the he was in I think he was I'm pretty sure he was in the Kevin Smith pictures around that time and he would just be up and down depending on you know when they shot there are scenes in dogma where he's carrying 20 extra pounds just because of how long the shoot was and he was either losing it or gaining it but um, he's just, he's got this great, he showed up. I remember seeing him in Cold Mountain and thinking, oh, they found a, like they found a frame for him. He looks completely believable as this mountain man character, just a guy wearing a bunch of heavy cloaks. He's yeah. got this timelessness. I mean, he works in, he works as a 1970s um, football player. Like he's totally convincing and he's huge. I think, I think he's padded too. Cause there's some shape stuff that kind of looks weird when you see him out of the football uniform. Okay. But he's like, he's also so good at just not asking for any of the sympathy ticks. Like, it's not just, I'm a big guy. It's also the, I'm a dumb guy. He just doesn't go there. Uh, his, no, his playing, there's never a poor me moment. Yeah. And he's, he's like, when he's celebrating the C plus that gets him into college, it's not condescending in any way. Like the movie does not encourage us to giggle that this guy is happy that he got a C plus. He worked and he got it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very blindside kind of vibe for sure you know like there was one character that also drew in that um that that racism hammer it was early on and i picked this up when i was re-watching it because i guess it just went right over my head growing up um it was when Patton was being spoken to by someone from the school board and he was just getting the news that they're giving the head coach position to Boone. And 
he says, everyone in the district, no, we all, all the coaches in the district are white, um, which is fine, that part. And then he goes, we had to give them something. Right. It's just the world we live in now. God forbid, or God save us. I was like, oh my God, in the Disney movie, that's intense. Yeah. Isn't that the guy who what played like, that's, line. that's Bosley, right? That's Ryan Gosling's character's dad. Oh, is it? I think so. I want to say yes. Recall. He's he shows up later in, in a similarly like ragey kind of way. And it's yeah. again, it's what paves the way for Gosling's sacrifice at the end or just switching out with Petey and letting letting right, Dunn no. Faison come in. Like that's that's that kind of little tiny refutation of generational racism. Like he's just he's just rejecting and his dad's furious. Chain. Yeah. Put my kid in, right? I think that's yeah, the same yeah. character. No, no, no. It was someone. It was a different it was guy? someone from the board. It was, yeah, yeah. This is a Gosling's dad, and it was a little, it was a little larger. Okay, if I remember. Yeah, there is a there is a generic was, Georgia look in the film to a lot of the a lot of the parents. Yeah, like they're all big and angry then, people. And, and Patton again, just gracefully brings it back down to that chill mode of just you know this is, I can accept it. Not no, not even I can accept it. it it's just like I'm. I'm just soaking in this moment and that wow. Now I'm yeah. just like a, I just wish there was like an audition I could do right now. <laughs> I, I get in these modes where it's just like I, I, I want to do this character now. I want to I want to feel this right now in a scene. Where is it? I should call you every time that there's a scene I want to do. Hey, yeah, hey Norm, I'll, I'll get you there. I'll let's work, let's yeah. talk about something. Yeah, man. I mean, I know people That's have true. these ticks that they can use to like to get in the zone to the some people the way people catch accents by using a specific phrase or something, and then they can do it. But oh yeah, it is such a, it's such a mystical thing. Like I don't pretend to understand acting. I just know it when I see it. And it's, yeah. it's so interesting to watch, especially in a movie like this, where you have all of these different styles flying around. Like you, you could not tell me that there's a movie that has room for like Denzel Washington, Donald Faison, Ryan Gosling, Wood Harris, and Will Patton. I wouldn't, I couldn't conceive of it. But then you say, well, it's a football picture. And it's like, oh, of course, because that's an ensemble thing. Like your brain can handle all these different things. And they all work for character buttons and they all bring out stuff that in each other, the, the contrast is what makes it work. Yeah, and, yeah. Have you ever had a movie where reading it, you're trying to figure out, no, nah, I, I don't think this is going to work out. But then you watch it and you're just like, Oh, I see. Oh, I get it. And then you and you fall in love with it. Have you had that? I try to know as little as possible going in. Oh, um, okay. Like I try. I don't even watch trailers if I can help it. I I just don't want to yeah. know. I don't want images. I don't want to have to like while I'm watching it try to figure out. Well, that guy's not going to get hurt in this scene because I know he's got a hat on in another scene that I haven't seen yet. You know, like all that stuff. It's just it's this weird compulsive thing. I know. Uh, I know it, and I embrace it about myself. But. Um, there are movies that surprise me it just in terms of the story they're telling or the people behind it. And it's like, Oh, this is actually pretty great. I, I'll say, you know what? Um, Galaxy quest actually is the best example of the me dreading something because it sounded awful. I, and I then, have not watched it because it sounds awful. So it is so good. It's <laughs> so good. It is like a, it is the best version of itself, right? Like it's a, it's one of the earliest mashups it's Star Trek and comedy and, and sort of self-mocking, self-reflexive comedy about, you know, the premise. It's it's the cast of a, of a 
crappy television or the cast of a, a beloved but not so great television show from 10 years ago or recruited by aliens who think good was real to help them save the day from, from other aliens. And, you know, also Tim Allen was in it and that's all I knew really. It's like, this sounds terrible. Right. Tim Allen in this movie. And then you watch it and within five minutes, it's a masterpiece. Like it is within five minutes. Seriously there, it opens with a two minute clip from the show and then it pulls yeah. out into a convention 10 years later with people discussing it and, and the cast being they're, they're fighting amongst themselves, not unlike a football team that hasn't had a coach come together, bring them together yet. Um, and then it just keeps going. It keeps building and finding new jokes and finding new performances. And Enrico Colantoni, who plays the the lead alien captain, Mathazar, it's hard. It's impossible yeah. to explain what he does, but he is giving a performance of an alien pretending to be a human that is so specific and weird and fun that the basically that's his audition tape is those aliens the producers showed his tape to every other actor who was playing a thermian and said do what he's oh, wow. doing and he invented this species it's incredible anyway um yes so i went and saw that dreading it at a like a wednesday night preview in christmas 1999 with a full <laughs> house and within five minutes we were all having the best time and by the end of it it's like oh, this, is a, this is one of my favorite things okay it's marvelous and, and you'll love it because it's got the same kind of, actually, it's got the same kind of genre awareness as like the Atom Project, where, where it knows what it's doing with all the things that have existed beforehand. Right. And okay. it's just it's just mashing them into something new and also really, really funny and really, really smart. Okay. So yeah, I, I like the witty stuff. I don't, I can't do big. I have a hard time with big. It's not a very hard time. It's not that. It's big. It's like, it's a big scale story, but the stakes are really, really personal. Okay. And you yeah. know, Alan Rickman, Sam Rockwell, Justin Long, Sigourney Weaver, um, who am I forgetting? Uh, Daryl Mitchell. Uh, oh, Tony Shaloub. Tony Shaloub is in it. Missy Pyle. Rain Wilson before The Office. Rain Wilson once told me he's been in two perfect movies and they were back to back. It was Galaxy Quest and Almost Famous. And it's like, yeah, actually, you're, I, I totally get that. Wow. Yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful. Okay. Uh, you should definitely watch that. Next time you're sad or depressed about something, watch that. <laughs> watch Galaxy Quest. It'll change your life. All right, life. Norm, I'll see you in a bit. I'm going to go watch the movie now. <laughs> Perfectly fair. We've already <laughs> no. done an episode uh, on it. So, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so this does kind of bring us around to the stuff that influences people. So is there, like, is there anything of Remember the Titans that you've borrowed or taken with you? And in this case, I kind of want to know if, if there are any character bits or, or, or acting business that you tried to steal because it's there is so much going on with all the There's different so styles much. and all the different takes yeah um it's not like there's room in hello again for you to do you know angry football grit there was time traveling and, and remember the titans when they go to gettysburg no um, <laughs> <laughs> um it, it would have to be harris's line of attitude reflects leadership yeah that's more I, of a motto, right? It is. Yeah. And then as far as like acting bits, uh, certainly Denzel's just leadership and, and ability to command. It's something I, I can't even say that I take it with me because I, I, I don't, I can't say that I have it. I'm, it's something that I'm always working towards. 
and, and forever inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is just an, like a forever just trying to chase Denzel <laughs> kind of moment and realizing, hey, shoot, that's a guy I like or um, really look up to. Um, but yeah, no, it's from, from that movie, what I take is uh, something I've always loved, and that's and that's relationships, and then how I guess that that's what really ties into Hello Again. Mm-hmm. It's it's relationships and the importance of of attending to them and nourishing them, um, because that's what really drives me as an actor and, and as a person uh this is the importance of relationships and hello again like that's a that's a project that lets you reinterpret the relationships your character has with other people through the the time loop conceit you get to have different interactions and play different versions of even Jaden uh mm-hmm. has to change right as he's as he's faced with these different potential versions of his of his family and friends so yeah. Yeah. Did I I've always wanted to ask, did you shoot this in sequence? Like how do you how do you modulate something no. you don't know, huh? No. No, it was listen, that that is all thanks to our AD keeping us in line and, and Melody. God, she's she was just a wicked leader. Um making sure that we're on the right timeline and, and obviously continuity. Mm-hmm. Um but we did not shoot it in sequence. We shot it based off of really location yeah and it was a it was five days um roughly 100 pages and it was very very demanding um work-wise and mentally and especially emotionally but we did not shoot in sequence and that was that was tough and that's why i always you know have to tip my hat to the support that i had on that set and and the purpose keeping the purpose in mind of, of knowing that it's what it what it means to what we want it to mean for the asian community for sure yeah i um, wish we saw a shot in sequence i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah i mean i would just honestly i would stand on set and my nose would just start bleeding as soon as someone called action <laughs> trying to figure out who i'm supposed to be uh but but me too yeah, I, <laughs> Maybe it's a running thing to deal with, like the deterioration of time travel. Um, but I, I talked to to Natalie and, and Melanie, and, and they said the same thing. Like the the idea of making a uh, a web series, a feature film, however you want to frame this project, it's a story that focuses entirely on two Asian leads, top of the call sheet, and an Asian Canadian, and make it about their worlds and. Uh, and uh, I think it was, oh, it was Natalie who said that she also freaked out when she realized that this was going to drop the same day as uh, everything everywhere all at once, as though there isn't room for more than one project yeah. with an Asian family or, or at its core, an Asian lead. Yeah. And she's like, and then she corrects herself. It's like, no, there is room. Of course there's room because some people want comedy and some people want action. Some people want a web series and some people want to go to a movie theater. Like there's, there is a range um, yeah. just the same way there's a diaspora, right? Like there's always going to be more than one story 
And there's, yeah. I'm so glad that I'm just drowning in it right now because there's everything. Like, and, and Natalie picked Turning Red for her episode, which is another story of, a, of an Asian Canadian family going through some stuff. Oh, that was so good. It's great, isn't it? That was really good. I love that one. I watched the, um, <laughs> admittedly, I watched Turning Red before I watched the Adam Project on the same, on that day. <laughs> <laughs> mainly well, because I, mean, I got a five-year-old but yeah well you know what happens so the Adam Project. <laughs> yeah yeah that too that too i don't know i just you, there's that little guilt because like i'm part of this place um sure. but uh yeah, i'm so good how did it play for the five-year-old no he loved it yeah he loved it but i think he got annoyed when um my fiance and i would ever pause every like five minutes be like oh look this is this it's the, the sniffy markers it's <laughs> 501 it's it's spadina it's old chinatown it's uh oh man uh, yeah so i think he got annoyed he didn't get a really good good watch of it because we kept pausing like hey, listen we gotta explain this to you we didn't text no right. one used a flip phone to text back then when we were kids god it's a whole different yeah. world I can't imagine yeah. explaining even the last five years, explaining it to somebody who hasn't experienced, you know, what it was like before the internet, before, before yeah, you know, well, like 2003, right? They have minimal COVID. access. Yeah, well, sure. God, that's right. <laughs> five years old. That's, that's a child who became sentient during lockdown. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember his first day of senior kindergarten. He was all excited. There was a video I posted. And it was like, uh, I'm going to my first day of school in person <laughs> and, and i was like oh my god that's weird yeah it's weird and i I, was, I joked around with uh winnie not long ago saying how you know i know less about zoom than my five-year-old does because he did virtual school all last year with sure and uh yeah i gotta ask him questions hey, how do you do this how do you do that he'll teach me so yeah, yeah it's weird times cool children, times children are the future Assuming we have one, I guess that's, right. it's good that yeah, the kids will be there to explain oh. how it works. We'll see if we make it. Yeah, so far so good. And <laughs> and there's stuff to watch if we get locked down again. You're in everything, so yeah. that'll work out. Oh man, I wish. I wish I could be <laughs> more things. Yeah, yeah. But hello again. Excited. My thanks to Alex Malari Jr., who you can see in the Adam Project on Netflix in season two, episode ten of Transplant on CTV.ca and Crave, and in Hello Again on CBC Gem. Watch them all, why don't you? Thanks also to Winnie Wong. She knows what she did. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Malari Jr. Alex Malari Jr. All one word. And you can find Remember the Titans on Blu-ray and DVD from Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment and streaming on Disney Plus. It's also available to rent or buy on most VOD platforms. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. And once again, I remind you that I've made the first year of this podcast available for just 20 bucks at payhip.com slash Semcast, the first 52 episodes of Someone Else's Movie, 46 of which aren't currently available anywhere else, at payhip.com slash Semcast. Check it out and see what the show sounded like seven years ago. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're doing that. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your booster when you can. I'll see you next time.